Reclaiming Rest Radio, a ministry by which I coin myself an unworthy, ordinary saint sinner. And for what it's worth, uh, those words, saint and sinner, happen to be the English equivalents of the Latin phrase that's on my shirt today, uh, simul justus et peccator, which was coined by Martin Luther. Uh, anyway, I'm an unworthy, ordinary saint sinner that's on mission to encourage his brothers and sisters to rest in the worthy Christ and the extraordinary gospel. I'm Justin Joseph, your host, and I thank you for joining me. Today, I'm covering a topic that is near and dear to my heart as a believer that a few years ago embraced Reformed theology and doctrine, the law-gospel distinction. I mentioned the concept briefly in my episodes about pietism and the Reformation, but we'll dive into it more deeply here because it influences everything about the Christian life. I did not encounter the concept until just before leaving the world of fundamentalism in mid-2020, and it has been a game-changer for me, my family, and many others I've met online with respect to assurance and having a much healthier understanding of one's relationship with God. I don't think it's reaching to say that by not grasping this dynamic of Scripture, rather than Scripture providing a wealth of encouragement, hope, and blessing, it is instead a confusing, discouraging, terrifying, tangled mess. And this especially applies to the gospel accounts. While we encounter Christ in some measure in every book, the gospels are often referenced because they quote him directly. However, what many don't realize is that the majority of his recorded statements fall under the category of law, not gospel. Let's revisit and clearly establish definitions for these categories, as definitions are always important. Law can be summed up by do this and live. Gospel can be summed up by Christ has done it all, now live in him. I'm making claims you've perhaps not heard before, or you know about them and disagree. 
uh, perhaps I can address both crowds uh, and encourage those in either, uh, along with those that know about the law gospel distinction and have benefited from it like me. Both concepts, law and gospel, are intricately tied to one of Scripture's significant questions. That question is, how can sinful man be righteous before God? Uh, That question is posed multiple times uh, and addressed in the book of Job uh, and addressed uh, across the rest of Scripture. Uh, The key word in that question is righteous. What does it mean to be righteous or to have righteousness? Uh, To be righteous or have righteousness, in a nutshell, is to personally, perfectly, and perpetually adhere to God's moral law. Um, If that sounds incorrect, Scripture speaks to this. There's a reason why many believers in various traditions sum up the law with do this and live. It's because, and as I mentioned on the previous episode, Scripture does, which I can demonstrate. I'll start with everyone's favorite book, Leviticus. Uh, which states in chapter 18, verse 5, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. That verse is echoed by Jesus in his parable of the Good Samaritan, which is in Luke chapter 10. Uh, In verse 28, Jesus told a lawyer that desired to justify himself, do this and you will live. Do you remember what I said about Jesus, that most of his recorded statements are law? Well, there's an example. In Leviticus 18.5 is reiterated by Paul Uh, for good measure. Uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 5 states, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. So, uh, the wording is just a little different. Well, Houston, we have a problem of cosmic proportions. Scripture is also clear uh, in Psalm 51 and Romans 5, for example, that everyone is born with a sin nature and that no sinner ever has or will come within a galaxy of perfectly adhering to God's law. Or you could say, keeping God's law. Uh, The gospel is good news. 
but it exists because the bad news is that adherence to God's law is impossible for sinful man. Another question, then, of the hour is, if no sinner has hope to achieve perfect righteousness before God, what hope is there, then, for sinners? And that's where the gospel comes in, and why it must be kept distinct from the law. I think it's very sad that so many believers have difficulty explaining what the gospel is because the gospel is often preached and taught as a mix of law and gospel in churches. That's why those believers think that the parable of the Good Samaritan that I just mentioned is a gospel message when it is, in fact, law. That's why those believers think that what Christ said uh, to the rich young man, uh, ruler, take your pick of term, uh, is a gospel message when it is, in fact, law. That's why those believers think that The Sermon on the Mount is a gospel message when the vast majority is law. And in fact, it's the greatest exposition of the law by God himself. And it is summarized interestingly by, you must therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that's why Paul asked our brothers and sisters in the church of Galatia in the first century and asks us today, God's law, have you actually listened to it? Listener, viewer, I'm going to be unapologetically blunt here. The gospel contains no commands or demands, and any insistence to the contrary destroys the gospel. Just think about it logically. The Greek word for gospel, euagelion, literally means good news. What is good news? Good news is a declaration or an announcement that something has happened and is of benefit to those that hear it. Logically, a declaration or an announcement uh, that something has happened and is of benefit to those that hear it can't contain commands or demands. It's News. We might do something as a result of news, and that's actually how the law plays out in the lives of believers, 
But news will never command us to do something or demand that we do something or not because news is information. So, if you're following, how can the gospel of Jesus Christ be good news if it contains any hint of someone needing to meet the requirement of personal, perfect, and perpetual adherence to God's law, which none of us can do? Well, it can't be good news, and that's why it's bad news when gospel is mixed with law. Some people refer to this as gospel, and gospel is always bad news. Well, except for those unfortunately deceived about doing well or doing well enough to obey God. Um, You know, the ones killing it in the Christian life. That's why it is so problematic to preach or teach the commands of Jesus as gospel. Whether it's to follow him, uh, to deny ourselves, uh, to bear our cross, just run the gamut of things Jesus is recorded as having commanded people. Listener, viewer, no one has followed Jesus as necessary. No one has denied themselves as necessary. No one has borne their cross as necessary. Because no one can. It is all law. And since no one can be justified by works of the law, that means mixing it with good news turns the good news into bad news. That's why we hear things like, yes, Christ died for us, but we still need to... and fill in the blank. I'm going to say something that will sound dark, and intentionally so. If the gospel gives believers something to do, something not to do, if it requires anything of us, then there will be no such thing as the new heavens and earth uh, without sin and death, because God's promises of redemption are actually cruel lies and no one is going to be redeemed. Yeah. (laughs) If it wasn't clear how important this issue is, then it should be now. And don't hear what I haven't said. 
following Jesus, denying ourselves, bearing our cross, whatever. All good. All good things. By grace, do it all. But by golly, let us not dare allow those things anywhere near the gospel and what it means to be justified, to be saved. Um, The first man, Adam, had his chance to obey. He blew it. And we all blow it every day. Okay, uh, that was somewhat of a tangent. Uh, I want to keep focus on the concepts of righteousness, law, and gospel. I've explained that scripture boils down God's law to do this and live. Interestingly, scripture communicates gospel, the gospel, by surrounding that term live with different words. Uh, Scripture does this through the Old Testament minor prophet Habakkuk, uh, who is quoted by the New Testament apostle Paul. The righteous shall live by what? By faith. That faith, we're told in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, is a gift of God. By grace you are saved through faith, and this is not your, do- your own doing, it is the gift of God. Righteousness, as we're told in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, is given to those whose faith is in Jesus Christ. It says, or they say, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Genesis 15.6 is reiterated by several verses in the New Testament epistles. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's Romans 4.3, Galatians 3.6, and James 2.23. Romans 4.5 says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Same chapter, verse 9, For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. And then verse 22, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And then another letter, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, And be found in him, Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Those verses emphasize over and over that God counts righteousness to those whose faith is in Jesus Christ, with Abraham having been 
uh, an example. The gospel is what Christ has done. So what has Christ done that makes those verses gospel? Well, he obeyed the law personally, perfectly, and perpetually, which believers, we can't do for us. He also experienced the curse of the law or the penalty for failing to adhere to God's law, which is condemnation and what all believers, us, deserve. He experienced that curse for us. And that's what is meant by the various Ezekiel 18 instances of the soul who sins shall die. Uh, They refer to the punishment of hell and ultimately the lake of fire that awaits unbelievers, those who reject Christ and don't have righteousness counted to them. With all due respect to anyone that disagrees with the law gospel distinction, Scripture speaks for itself. And for what it's worth, I could approach this from a variety of angles. Uh, But to sort of sum this up, as concerns righteousness, the law demands everything but gives nothing and the gospel demands nothing but gives everything that's why the gospel is good news and that's why the law gospel distinction is life changing when we grasp that scripture does indeed distinguish the law and the gospel, our outlook on everything that concerns being Christians and living as Christians can change for the better. When we grasp that we have life in the gospel, we can in turn strive by grace to adhere to God's law without fear of condemnation. When we grasp that through the gospel, we always have our Father's acceptance, favor, and love because of who Christ is, what he's done, in the fact that we're united to him by faith, we can breathe and rest easier. And in case you're wondering, yes, I get worked up about this. I was under preaching and teaching that presented law as gospel And it terrified me. It exhausted me. 
it caused me routine despair. It caused me to believe that my heavenly father was often displeased with me and did not love me as he did others that were killing it in the Christian life. It caused me to constantly doubt my salvation. None of that should ever be the case for any believer. And I hate that so many experience those things. Brothers, sisters, the law gospel distinction is real, it is biblical, and it is life-changing for all that embrace it. And let us not be afraid to do just that. Even in a sea of evangelicals that cry foul against it. And for what it's worth, I can't help but believe that those who do cry foul are proud and self-righteous. They don't grasp the weight and majesty of God's law and water it down into something achievable. You know, after all, that's what the Pharisees, the lawyers, and the Judaizers did. And believe you me, I understand the concern out there about false converts and easy believism um, and the zeal for holy living. But mixing the law and gospel addresses none of those things. The law and gospel work together, but mixing them does not prevent the existence of false converts, easy believism, and unholy living. It just doesn't. Brothers and sisters, without the law gospel distinction, assurance is a pipe dream. Without it, the gospel is lost. And without it, rest in Christ is a cruel joke. I urge us all to rejoice in the pure gospel which contains no law and to love our Father's majestic and holy and good law which points us to the gospel and guides us in our strivings to love others even imperfectly. May the law gospel distinction be a blessing to us and may we enjoy the grace and peace promised in the pure gospel. Amen. Amen.